What I'm trying to say here is that as you begin to learn more about thought forms, so you try to free yourselves from manipulated stratas of thought, from the common way of thinking, from the way the mass media would like you to think, from the way your governments would like you to act. And of course all of you here have done that to different degrees. But as you do so more and more, and you begin to see how all of you and all of us have been manipulated since birth, some to think as a woman, some to think as a man, and we all have different cultural and religious mores. The English word mores means social conditionings. That's we grow up by. If you're born in a Muslim society as a woman in a very strict Muslim society and you have to wear a veil and so forth or in a Catholic society or in a Buddhist society, all these are conditionings, all these are thought forms created by religionists and politicians and, and common people. They're mass fears. And if you follow these, you get straight-jacketed by those types of thoughts. And you live out your lives in a certain patterning, deadly in itself, not very fulfilling. For those of you who wish to become more enlightened, you learn to free yourself from these straitjackets, from these types of social conditionings, from these constraining thoughts, from this jail that society and the societies of this earth place you in and want to keep you trapped there because many can make much out of this. Much material power, much monetary power from you if you just obeyed those rules. And so you say, no, I will be a personality. I within myself will create the types of thoughts that will produce a creative life different from the common mould or break free from those thoughts. And thus you strive, thus you create new thought projections above the emotional sea of the rest. You put your head above the clouds, above that murky black ocean that humanity lives in and that head then can act as an antenna receiving very, very high stratified thoughts indeed from the realms of divinity. Understand, if you can continually manifest these types of energies associated with the lower strata, all it does is make you sick. All you're doing is creating a sewer to live in, a sewer of psychic energies, murky energies going this way and that, swaying this way and that, and you get your colds and your coughs and eventually your cancers and all the other diseases that people are afflicted by. Why? Because they do not put their head above that cloud. They stay in the murk, in the muddy sewer. Because the accumulated effect of all people's thoughts and energies is simply that. You can try it yourself. Grab a few different colours, really pure colours from any set of paints and mix them together and tell me what you get and that's the same with people's emotions and that's what people live in place like here where we're living in of course we're trying to rise a little bit above that and creatively and accumulatively we produce a better environment a freer environment in which to live 
because we uplift each other's spirits through our creative endeavors. And this is the same way to go. This is the new age in flowering, or certainly budding. So we do it as a group. And the more we can do it as a group, and the larger the group we become, the more we can cleanse the Earth's atmosphere, the more we can heal the planet. Because this murky energy affects everything. The plants are bombarded by it continuously. And you think that maybe plants um, grow from the nourishment from soil and the sunlight. But the psychic energy that they absorb into them is what conditions their lives. They get sickly and die. They have the diseases, they get affected by insect pests because they have no resistance to these things. They get all types of diseases and eventually they simply whole landscape loses its leaves, the trees go. The environment disappears because of people's emotions, because of this murk that these plants have to live in continuously, because there's very few that give them loving energies, that gives them creative music. You'll find, if you ever study the history of forts, that our insect population, the types of insects that you don't like, flies and other types of nasties, are but the crystallizations of human forts created millennia ago in places such as Atlantis. Those types of nasty forts created by men and women in mass simply become the insects that give you diseases and that sting you in the now and the plants that have all types of defensive mechanisms trying to defend themselves from the onslaught of malicious energy from human beings. Forts of things. This is creative power. Whether it's God creating a world system or a universe or you human beings creating your own little internal environment and the external forts. So it finds itself throughout of nature. The types of energies you put into it is seen all around. And none of us really like the civilization, the cities, because of the types of energies associated with it. We nearly always prefer the country. It's free from some of these types of forts. I'm trying to give you an overview of fort form production and to show you a little bit of how vast the subject really is. If a being wants to send telepathy, telepathic instructions, say, to any of you, they would have to pour, put a hole through the entire astral environment. It's a tunnel from their minds to your heart chakra or to your Arjuna center and keep that clean so they can actually send a thought or an image to you that is not distorted by you. You live in this type of energy continuously and so to assist or to facilitate the downpouring of their thought structures of higher thoughts, you engender the very cleanest aura you can, the very best thought structure you can. And then you receive much more than you ever give out, much more indeed. And to my way of thinking, this is the only true way to happiness. 
the only way that I know is to simply offer myself up for the universe to act through me and to do that which allows the universe to be as it must and as it should freely and spontaneously in love. If I attach myself to this materialistic world and all of its allurements, there's no love there. There's no happiness there. Yes, momentary happiness, but no joy and certainly no bliss. Happiness is up and down. Happiness, sadness, happiness, sadness. Bliss, well, that comes when you're united with the highest of all energies when there's no material world whatsoever to be entangled with and joy that is your heart singing because you have learnt its song and you live there forever and ever no ups and downs so we go from the mantras of all the religions and the creative visualizations given in all meditation teachings matters not whether it's is Jewish or Hindu or Buddhist or Christian creatively you open yourself up to the object of whatever you are aspiring to receive through visualizations and it's the visualizations that allows you to send thoughts to far distant worlds. And we know the visualizations of such people as George Lucas who created the Star Wars trilogy and other movies. That's their images, their visualizations of what they think they want to give to you. Some of them are altruistically motivated, some of them are purely profit orientated. You do the same and you build for yourself a wonderful new age. A utopia where we all can live in. And hopefully eventually the heaven and hell states of our religions go and we have the reality. Something far more beautiful than any of those things. Okay, does anyone have any questions? What about smoking joint, taking drugs and making love to someone? Fine, if all of those things are truly done in love. You attract to yourself that which you emanate outward. If you are a very, very loving being, well, the joints will give to you bright colorings in your auras. The problem with the smoking of dope on the whole or any of these other drugs is the psychology of the person concerned. Are they escaping from aspects of life? Do they just want to bliss out into a somnambulistic state, a, a meandering this way and that, and not do anything at all in their lives? Eventually they die, get sick. The drugs in themselves are not really the problem. It's the psychology of the individual that we're looking at. And eventually, when the psychology is fixed up, you find that there are ways of intoxication that are far higher than any drug can give you, that any acid can give you. Vision states that are absolutely exquisite, not toned down by the energy of those drugs. 
So yes, drugs and gives you an eye opener to this psychic world and may open some minor chakras into it. But then you have to respond to the energies and the energies and the entities that you may attract to you. And you either can ride the crest of something beautiful or you can go into a health state depending on what it is that you have contacted and how you are psychologically constituted. Ultimately, for enlightenment, the drugs go, all forms of drugs go, except the drug of intoxication of love. Love stays forever and ever. It helps you to penetrate through the vastest reaches of space. There's everything that is. Later on, when I give you my talk on karma and reincarnation, I will point out that karma is the law of love and application. What do you think is the predominant religious nature of the society that we're in right now? <laughs> but it's sparking this is because um, recently I was in Turkey, so coming up in contact with quite a strong religious or cultural thing amongst the young people, whereas I myself said, oh, I don't have a religion, and I find that to be quite common to um, this, this society now that I'm just in. And I'm just wondering, because I feel like that these religions that you talk to or point to are old-fashioned, and I'm not sure what, what is now, what people believe in. It's a vast subject in many religions. I mean, one could say, is communism a religion? Is atheism a religion? I mean, how does one defy a religion? The Buddhists say that they're not a religion because they don't worship a God image. But I would say, yes, they're very much a religion because they're devoted to a concept relating to enlightenment, to higher states of being, to liberation from the form. And some forms of Buddhism are very devoted indeed. And one could quickly argue that they do have their God images. Um, the religion of this world is what I call scientific materialism. Science and materialism rules everything. It's the way most people think. They may be um, practicing Catholics and whatever, but fundamentally they're materialistic in their thinking and, and they sort of adore science, which gives them all the beautiful things they like television sets and movies and so yes if you're looking at form religions then one just has to go to the various types of religions that are around and say this part is good this part is not so good this part I can agree in this part I cannot agree in this part I adore and I will follow and give my life for this part no and all religions have this good and bad in them in their philosophies all of them need reformation. You can try to go back to the past. You can go to the way the American Indians were maybe 400 years ago or the um, Egyptians was maybe 3,000 years ago or um, you can go to ancient Crete if you wish. And you can go to many indigenous religions, but all of them have their problems. The new religion is love. It is loving understanding it is the development of the mind by way of love. It is using the best of science and the best of all religions and fusing them into a unity. It leaves nothing out. It is not dogmatic. And so much of what you see in religion around you is dogmatism. 
whether it's Buddhist or Jewish or Christian, it's all fundamentalist and dogmatic. And once there's dogmatism, there's closed eyes. They put their blinkers on like a horse leading it to water. Cannot look this way or that, only the narrow path in front. And the new religion is open-mindedness, looking at every direction and space at once and accepting everything and rejecting nothing except that which produces pain and suffering to the individual and to the planet as a whole. And later on, as your religion grows, to the cosmos. Because as you are open-minded to everything, you grow into the cosmos. The whole stars, those galaxies, become your background, your backyard. It becomes all meaningful and realisable. So get away from scientific materialism, get away from dogmatism, open your eyes, learn as much as you can in every direction you wish to look. There's many people that got so much good to teach you, many religions have got much good to teach you, and science has got much good to teach us as well. Selfishness, materialism, separativeness, hatreds, all the forms of national injustices, these things we try to avoid. I know of the Course of Miracles, yes. Mm. One could go into many, many religious um, ideas, such as the Course of Miracles, or Haspi, or Urantia, um, and um, we could go now into Celestine Prophecy, and so forth and so forth, and some of the gurus and from India and from Tibet, you know, the Tukus and the Rinpoches that are walking around, sort of, and um, they all have something good to say. I generally say um, some teachings are for kindergarten and kindergarten children find what is right for them. Other teachers aim at the level of high school, spiritual high school, and you can find those teachings and those that are ready for high school find that as their high goal or their high ambition. Other teachings, very, very few indeed, actually lead at um, the level of spiritual university because this means real training of the mind, real opening of the chakras, real visioning, real command of the personality and the cleansing of all dogmas, all glamours, all forms of emotionalities that people call truths. And um, so, yes, um, I will not directly say, yes, uh, the Course of Miracles is such and such and, uh, you know, Celestine Prophecy is such and such and sort of Kalis Kastanayda's writings is such and such and uh, Yogananda's teachings are such and such. These, they all have their, their purpose and their meaning and if it strikes a chord in your heart and uplifts you in some way, it is good. And if you find that there's a higher teaching that comes along that gives you a better um, resonance to the universe, to the universal laws of governing all, then follow that. Always keep your eyes open. Never follow blindly and dogmatically a particular religious instructor or religious instruction until you've found the very best. And the very best is that which awakens your heart and your eyes to the multidimensional universe, opens you up to visioning on many levels and stratas at once and where you can cleanse your fort aura of distorting images and understand it well that you see through your aura 
you see through the clouded images around you. Either you have very clean aura and very clean images, or you have this muddied haze, or you have this whirl of glamour around you. And I often call it glaze, glaze in people's eyes, and it can be two inches thick or two feet thick, depending on how devotional and emotional they are over that particular religion or, or stream of thought. Therefore, for kindergarten children, go to kindergarten, learn simple teachings. The simpler the teachings, the closer to kindergarten. The more detailed the teachings about the nature of the universe, the closer to university. And many are deluded by simple teachings. And because they are still kindergarten children, what Jesus called the children, suffer the children to come unto me, and I will give them the kingdom of God. Yes, they are still children, and they have to learn to grow up. And therefore they become scientists eventually, in the field of religion, in the field of enlightenment consciousness. The greatest of our teachers, such as the Buddha and Jesus, they gave simple teachings, yes, universal truths. But each sentence that they gave could be applied many levels of interpretation at once and opened the eyes of any seeker, whether they were at kindergarten level, high school, primary school or university. And you rarely find teachings around today that gives you that multidimensional view of things. Simple teachings for simple students or simple students, people, um, one message here, another message there, and a whole page is devoted to telling that story. Fine. Um, be attracted, learn from that. Later on you'll find that if you're attracted to such things as the Course of Miracles, um, or to any other of these sects and other teachings, it's because you've come with that particular grouping. You have lived of that grouping from a former life. You may have been um, Roman Catholic, for instance, in a village in Spain or whatever, 400 years ago, and now you're redoing a version of that religion in a high spiral. And so it goes on. It's wonderful to see with the eyes of karma. Uh, so, if thoughts either get absorbed from the astral plane, or if we're able to receive lighted thoughts from great beings, um, do we actually ever generate our very own thoughts? Like, do we actually create a new thought? Is that possible? Well, of course, people are. I have a condition by other thought structures around them, the whole sea of thoughts. Incidentally, the, the realm of the mind is fiery. The realm of the emotions is watery when we get into the five elements. And um, so if you live in the higher stratas of thought, you're living in the realms of fire. And then the fire becomes etheric. It's air mixed with fire. And so it's a very, very highly incandescent fan fuel as your thoughts get higher and higher. And therefore, it's possible, very possible, to create your own thoughts as you do when you become more fiery and you get away from the watery conditionings where most people are at. Because it's the waters that is common, commonplace, and people influence each other through their waters, and thus they condition each other's. But when you bring in higher stratas of thought, then you can, you do produce quite 
high creative ideals. Most of you here are not as um, individual as you think because you're so conditioned by people around you. I read in a few books about telepathy that everybody is telepathic, but only some people are conscious of it. How do you see it? If you define telepathy purely in terms of reading another person's mind, and you can automatically look into somebody's mind and know their every thought, their every little petty desire for chocolate bars, sexuality, or whatever, and you're always looking at this, yes, you can define telepathy as that. But in truth, most of us are telepathic. Dogs are telepathic. Cats are telepathic. Most of you who've had pets um, and really love your pets, you know that those pets um, respond to your um, feelings and they sort of are um, up there when you're thinking strongly and they sort of busy dying and applying away if you die or you get sick or something like that. They are very telepathic. It's done through the solar plexus center and this form of telepathy has got nothing to do with the mind but they can certainly receive your images and your thoughts. Um, all of you are telepathic. All of you receive other people's images and thoughts, and sometimes it flashes in your brain consciousness and you respond accordingly. You may sometimes um, receive um, thoughts from, from loved ones overseas or um, living in the room next door. Um, suddenly an image or face will appear in your consciousness and, um, and then you're thinking that that person and you'll find later on it's about the same time that somebody is thinking of you. But it need not be synchronized thusly. For instance, if I'm thinking strongly of somebody else and that image goes across the world to that person, um, say in Australia, um, then that thought will hover over that person's head structure and go into that person's mind only when that person thinks of me. Only then will the thought structure go in it. Maybe a half a day later or uh, or hours later or maybe received instantaneously depending on the receptivity of the person to the thought. So most of you are walking around with thoughts from other beings hovering around your heads waiting to get in. And when they do get in then you get the flash of the face of the person that sent it. Therefore telepathy is much more than this um, um, psychic power the city of having your eye open some way or the other through drugs or whatever um, so you can read people's minds. Telepathy happens automatically and spontaneously with all of you. It's just that most of you do not recognize it as telepathy when you get these little flashes of, of somebody else in your mind um, and these other images prompting you to do this or to go there. And it's immaterial. It, you know, those of us that, that do and can read thoughts from time to time, we have no interest in reading people's minds. And to play stage tricks um, with, uh, with uh, oh yeah, I know what you're thinking, you know, this is not the way of enlightened being. If we had a workshop here, I could teach you a little bit about telepathy and sending thoughts. Uh, and we could grow, divide ourselves into groups and have little cards here and one group will be sending them and the other person or group would be receiving them and everyone would sort of s and see how, how accurate people were. With right sort of training, you could become quite accurate on the whole, most of you, with thoughts, sending and projection. This in itself um, is not telepathy as such. Um, it's a process relating to learning how to send thoughts and receiving them. But you are telepathic all the time, as are dogs and cats. Okay?
Stage tricks is not what we're here for. Any other questions? I uh, have been in telepathic contact with the other person and after a while I didn't want uh, the information to come in but I couldn't send it away. Um, when I'm on my own uh, I have awareness of myself but when I'm in this contact I lose awareness. Uh, what can I do in this situation to get the information away? Um, yes, if you're using strong visual techniques, visualizing a person's face and a person is visualizing your face, you'll find that, yes, um, if you do it strongly enough of enough intent, you'll receive impressions from that person. On the whole, most of you can do that. As I said, we can do a workshop on this particular subject. However, if you awaken yourself psychically to such things as you're discovering, that it has its own harm, its own drawbacks, because you can not only receive impressions from that person, but you can receive impressions from other entities that um, can use the channel that you've opened up to send their impressions, their energies, their desires your way. Um, the way to cleanse that is A, to stop thinking those, along those lines, and B, to send energy up the channel to send light up the channel um, and to always use the technique of light. Whenever you see or whenever you get an impression of that type of um, thought that you don't want, send light into it. Create strong um, lighted thoughts and that will burn up the passageway. Eventually we may close the little chakra that was awakened. What, what kind of uh, possibilities do you think of there being group telepathy? Sort of groups within themselves or groups um, amongst each other? Yes, groups as a whole do have group telepathy. It's more a group desire body, you know, more sort of a telepathic or sort of a more emotional pull to each other on the whole. Uh, they may have, um, for instance, uh, group telepathy and certain types of sexuality. You can easily see the group telepathy that there was a desire body running amok in a football field with all the spectators screaming and shouting for their favourite person to kick the goal and the favourite team to win. Um, or if they lose and they all scream out in anguish, that's a form of telepathy. It's um, the emotional body um, projected by their thoughts uh, racing amongst through the person or through that whole group from person to person. Uh, you can see group telepathy you know, in forms of fishes or school fishes sort of changing direction all of a sudden. With, um, if we're talking more specifically where say a spiritual group and a cult group working together to um, produce a certain purpose or uh, working to say unite their concept of God then they also focus upon the same type of mind structure and they send each other's thoughts in relationship to whatever they focus upon, the same as a group of scientists or creative people working on a certain common project. They actually send images to each other's minds and they stimulate each other's thoughts. Uh, a group can also, in meditation, through use of mantras and creative visualization, project a certain thought to or purpose, for instance, um, they might try to help the planet clean out some of the uh, astral murk, uh, 
say save the trees or or some other sort of common ideal such as that where they're creatively visualizing maybe chanting and sending these these cleansing forts these forts of love into the planet's etheric grid so there's groups as a whole um, manifest some do it quite can do it quite consciously through collective creative visualization but on the whole there's a lot of subliminal a lot of unconscious grip telepathy and most of you experience um, these types of thoughts coming from other people around you you feel good um, by being part of a group for instance if the group is sharing good vibes you can also feel quite bad if there's negative vibes in the air um, when what you call vibes is a form of telepathy it's a mixture of auric substance plus people's thought projections projected against at you um, and within any type of group if they live closely together then these these types of thoughts and energies that, that are projected by thoughts um, can produce sometimes quite um, bad situations uh, people getting jealous of each other and and um, and um, all types of emotional traumas that can come from from those types of projections so yes most people are telepathic and within a group context it can be um, very very powerful both for the good for the helping of the planet or negatively for destructive purposes you can also have sort of group telepathy sort of mobbed up uh, stirred up by a, by a, a leader um, they use their mouth of course to to say the words but what races around the mind of the, the, the group that are listening to him is images that um, the mouth seeds and it's those images for instance that um, uh, that the whole people have um, that um, determines for instance the popularity of that particular person or that that leader for instance at present you know President Clinton's got his sex scandals and um, everyone's got their images especially in the states who are reading this and watching all this on television of what he might have done with this lady and so forth and so these thoughts go from person to person and um, they either sort of can destroy that individual or they can give him a good character depending on the way that they um, with their with their energy of their thoughts have uh, depicted the image of whatever he's done what they regard as evil or good so it actually is quite a powerful force and it's a vast subject in itself ultimately all groups that create these types of energies for instance negative um, images or say President Clinton because he's sort of uh, manifested sexually of a lady in the White House uh, they have to pay that back they have to cleanse those forts because those forts, forts are things that remain in the ethers until the perpetuator of that fort of the good fort or bad fort uh, cleanses it out of the ethers if it's a bad fort it hits you eventually the vehicle an opposite reaction that's the law of karma the good fort it's the same thing you get that back it's always worthwhile when you're in a group context to manifest therefore any loving thoughts to those or your group brothers and sisters and to eventually give them back in a group such as for instance we have here um, hopefully that's all that is engendered nothing but good thoughts and we bathe in that and we uplift each other higher into higher realms of divinity so everything that that really sort of relates to creation is essentially a good thought group thought even you know when the bible says god
created, you know, heaven and earth and all the rest of it. But it really is a group endeavor. You know, there's seven Elohim, the seven days of creation, that created these days and nights of, of, of evolutionary being. And when you find it later on, you find there's a whole host of beings underneath this being called God, this entity called God, that together manifest the, the multidiverse play of this, this universe. It's group thought, group evolution that um, creates all that is. And uh, that is simply the law of being. Everything comes from mind, everything revolves back into mind in time. <laughs>